You're listening to the Going Offsides podcast. Your home for lacrosse news, stories, and everything in between. All right, so I'm joined here today by Christina Esposito, who uh, is going to be more active in the show uh, as as we progress. And uh, Christina, how are you today? I'm doing great. It's Monday, so new attitude for the week. <laughs> there you go. And so you are currently, uh, correct me if I say this wrong, but you're the chief women's brand ambassador for True Lacrosse, True Sports? Yep. Okay. Yes, that's right. Awesome. And so what does that role kind of entail for you? Yeah, so that role started in 2018 for me. I was actually the only female on board. Um, that's kind of when they launched the prowess, which was the first stick from True. Um, so my role from then on has kind of built a little bit, but it's mainly just really working with the team over in Memphis and also our engineer team and designing new things. And we're giving feedback constantly. They'll send us prototypes. We'll test it out, say what we like, don't like. Um, and then also really just kind of blends into my lifestyle. So just talking with the community, talking with the girls, asking them what they like, do you like tie-dye on a handle? Do you like pink on a handle? Just kind of getting a feel for things. So it actually meshes pretty well with my life. So it becomes a lifestyle. That's good. And you're you're very involved in lacrosse. We were just talking about it off camera. Um, obviously, you, you went to Northwestern. But before we dive into that, did I read that you scored over 500 goals in high school? Or is it 500 points in high school? Oh, man, I don't even know. That could be accurate. <laughs> I know so I led the it was a lot that. and I I was taken aback by by the number of, of points or goals that you had um so what you know obviously you probably had a few different places that you were looking at to go to college and yes. what were a couple of the places you didn't go to and then why ultimately did you choose Northwestern good question so in general, I think the recruiting process is crazy. <laughs> I'm going to put that out there. You're so young and you have to choose a, basically a home for the next five years or four years. Um, so I think it's a little crazy, but in my journey, but none of my parents went to college and no one in my family, especially played a sport in college. So I was maybe a little bit late to the game in some of the recruiting stuff. I don't think you know, a lot of times I would go to camps and they would have like most of their recruiting class already there in my grade. And I was like, how do they all commit already? But I, I was a good player and I went to a bunch of camps. That was really my main source of recruiting. So I always tell my girls that because everyone thinks your club team is like do or die, which yeah, club team is great. But at the same time, most of my recruiting came from camps and like that lower exposure look. Um, so I went to a bunch of camps, um, Syracuse, Northwestern ended up being my top schools. My goal, I'm a very aggressive type of player, very competitive type of person in every aspect. So I just wanted to win. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to win a national championship if possible. That was like my ultimate goal. So obviously I definitely looked in the, those top 10 schools, definitely top five schools. Um, and I also had a couple girls from West Babylon Alyssa Murray went to Syracuse and Shannon Smith went to Northwestern. So I had a little bit of uh, connections there and got to kind of see the school a little bit more through them. So ultimately it came down to those two schools. Um, I was actually really fond of North of uh, Syracuse at first. 
And I, I didn't actually go on an, a real tour yet of mm -hmm. Northwestern. So I was at Syracuse, you know, little me was like, oh, I'm going to go here. I love this place. This is it for me. And then I went to Northwestern and I just felt like it was on a bigger scope of a lot of the things that I saw at Syracuse. I mean, academically, the, it was blown out of the water. And then lacrosse wise too, it was just very disciplined, very like they had one goal in mind and you could see that. Um, and there were a lot of Long Island girls too on the Northwestern team. So that drew me there. Yeah. It's kind of interesting how there's pockets like that. Like you would never expect a suburb of Chicago to have just a whole bunch of Long Island girls <laughs> on the team. I, I spent a good amount of time in Evanston. Uh, my, my godfather lives on like Euclid, Euclid Park Avenue, which is like two blocks between the stadium and the water. And oh, like, you nice. can hear the football games from the backyard. And oh, yeah, that's nothing. I, yeah, yeah. You, I, I remember walking past the facilities and did they put like a new lacrosse type facility or turf field right on the water? Yeah. So we used to, back in the day, I have to say that now, <laughs> back in the day, we used to go down to the football stadium or, um, you know, everything was, there was either the field by the water and then, you know, it was really only like down the block. There was a football stadium and the weight room and bigger training room and whatnot. So back in the day, we, we used to have to drive down there if we wanted to do indoor stuff. But now they put this beautiful indoor facility with, you know, big windows everywhere where the girls could be working out and they could see the ocean as they're working out. Um, even the indoor field is a full field inside. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's even a little bit better than like a bubble. There's actually windows where you see the lake. So it's, it's incredible. I would say any girl who's being recruited, you have to, if you can go and take a tour there it's just magnificent to see the facilities. They, they blow a lot of places out. Yeah. And Evanston, I can say is very, very different than Syracuse. <laughs> um, just from you're, you're literally in a, like a suburb of Chicago, as opposed to Syracuse being, you know, a very, very different landscape and yes. uh, being on the water and everything is quite nice, but yes, my parents were definitely fond of the Northwestern setup. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So you, you graduate Northwestern, unfortunately you, you didn't get that, that title that you were looking for, but you're still very involved in lacrosse. So what are the things, you know, you graduated in 2017, right? Yes. So what over the last four years have you, you been doing, you know, on the playing side and then on the coaching side? Yeah. So after I graduated from Northwestern, it was a very, very intense environment. And I had three knee surgeries there. So I actually ended up getting one red, one red shirt because I missed a couple, you know, like games or, you know, there's like policies of, of what qualifies you to get a red shirt. So I had one red shirt year. That's why I keep saying five. I had five years there. So I really graduated in 2016. 2017 was my fifth year. Mm -hmm. So being there for five years and, you know, be, even being a leader in that field, that intense field for, for the years that I was there, it was really a lot for me. And it got to the point, and I hear this from so many girls where after I was like, somebody take my stick. <laughs> I was like, I don't even want to use it anymore please like just get me out of this intense environment. That's really how I felt, honestly. And I think a lot of people feel like that um, going into the real world, you just realize that you're kind of in a bubble and there's so much more out there. Um, so I kind of almost reinvented my love for lacrosse. Thankfully, there was the women's pro league that I got to play in. So um, my goal for that was really, you know, just 
almost like find the little kid player that once was there. Um, you know, especially once you play in college, you're very much in a system too. you know, you're running offenses. And um, I just wanted to be that fun player that I always won, you know, always was throwing stick tricks, you know, just enjoying laughing on the field. I kind of lost that. And I used the pro league for that. And I had a great time. Um, it was the only difference really was that the level of play was really, really fast. And you got to play with all these other amazing players. So it was really fun and thrilling and exhilarating. So I actually did that. That was kind of my lacrosse fill for a little bit. And I didn't really coach for maybe two years after that. Um, I worked in the city. So I feel like most people after college, they're like, yeah, I'm going to go corporate. You know, I want to be this big time person. And I, yeah, I want to travel. I want to do all that stuff. Yeah. So that usually ends up happening for about a year. And then you're like, all right, this is not for me. So living in Long Island, I was commuting to New York City all the time and working there, which I loved. I love the city. I plan on moving back there at some point. I absolutely love it. But, you know, there's really not much you, you know, there's not much field space and stuff there also. So if I would, you know, have some parents who the place I worked at would be like, hey, can you train my daughter? And we would go to like a tennis court. Um, and use like the brick wall, you know, and I would just mm -hmm. throw some cones out and do some drills or I would carry a net down to like the local field. So they're really, it was hard to do anything like that there. So once I got back to Long Island kind of full force, that's when, you know, I started coaching a little bit. I picked up with yellow jackets at first and I was just like more of like a guest trainer. So I would just like go in and, you know, set up the sessions and whatnot. And that was okay with me. I, you know, I kind of, once I got back into it a little bit, and this is kind of the athlete mentality too, once you're in something and you're just like, you start zoning in on it. You're like, oh, this is it. This is the one. Oh, I realize I have this value. I realize I can do this. And I realize like I have so much knowledge that these younger girls don't have. And it's not that they can't do it. They just have never been told to do it. So, you know, for example, I'd have a group of like third graders and I'd be like, all right, we're going to Twizzler, BTB and around the world. And some of the other coaches would look at me and be like, you know, they're in third grade. And I'm like, yeah, just give it a sec. Let them mess up for 10 minutes and then they'll mm -hmm. get it at the 15th minute or, you know, whatsoever. So after kind of bringing that to the table, that's when I was like, all right, you know, I, I just have a lot of knowledge that I almost felt like would be wasted knowledge if I didn't coach. So that's kind of how it kept going. And I started really with private lessons too. So, you know, I had a couple girls referred from like friends who used to coach out here and I would start with them and we would just meet at the field, you know, like two hours on a weekend, do private lessons, have fun. That was my biggest thing. I used to tell the girls before we started our sessions, anytime, if you're coming here training with me, I'm putting music on, we're having fun, we're laughing, we're intense when we're in it, but we're laughing. And that's always kind of been my thing. I'm, you know, sometimes I feel like other coaches don't understand it more than you know the latter end of it but I've been in it for so many years and at so many different levels and I just realized that there's people don't realize you you can be that way right. in an intense environment for sure we'll be back after a word from our sponsor and so with the you know the new women's league that's that's being created right now and is going to be played, I think maybe this summer we'll see right. is, is your intent to also try and play in that league? 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, any new league that pops up for me is, you know, seen as an opportunity, whether it's extremely competitive or not that competitive. I'm the type of person and I realized at this point that I can't just pull the plug and completely stop. Um, you know, for me, it comes to a little bit of an obstacle because I've had so many injuries. So I always, you know, I, I even talked to a sports psychologist and I'm like, it's like my mind is so ready to play. I'm so sharp. I understand the game. My IQ is high. Um, like I'm mentally so ready, but when your body can't perform, it's almost like you're like trapped in your own prison and mm -hmm. it really sucks. So my goal, like in the, in the last really three years, even out of college was just working with whoever I could to get my knee and my body stronger. That way I can play. So I'm at the point now where, you know, I always jump in like once or twice a week with my girls, the high school girls, and it's intense and it's a good workout and I, I feel great. So yeah, my intent is definitely to try and play this summer um, and any other league that pops up. I always just want to like try it out and, you know, put my name in there and see how it goes, see what it's about. Promote sure. it. It's huge. For sure. I mean, you're living it. I mean, like a lot of professionals, they, through their coaching and their training, like that's one way for them to stay in it and have a stick yeah. in their hands. And, and even though it's not quite a, a college level practice, it's still something. And then obviously you're training on your own as well. So that's great to hear. Um, you know, we are going to be producing, you know, with you, this monthly segment, which is going to be focused more on the women's game. And we thought who better than you, uh, you know, we had a mutual friend that we were able to connect through. And so you're going to be able to every, you know, once a month, every Friday, kind of have a platform to talk to people about, you know, whatever issues you're passionate about. So what are a few of those topics that you plan on, you know, bringing to the table and, and some possible, you know, maybe, not by name, but some types of guests that you'll be including as well. Yeah, so I'm so, so, so excited for this. I think that lacrosse and especially women's lacrosse is, you know, in need of a bigger voice out there and even just hearing different stories too. Um, one, a good friend of mine, an older mentor said to me, you know, especially coming out of college and you have so many stories to tell as well in that environment that you played in and uh, each player has them too. I've talked with so many girls and, you know, sometimes you think that it's only you who goes through it and you almost feel like an outsider at times. You're like, oh man, like for me, my storyline is almost like how, how come I couldn't get my team to win? Like I've always been, you know, a go-getter, uh, a leader. I always care about my team. And even in high school and other teams, like sometimes we'd be the worst team and we would still kind of work our way there. And it's a different environment, but, um, the biggest thing is that we all have these stories from playing in these environments. And I just want this platform to be that kind of voice or that open book for people to just talk about it. I think it's so interesting when I talk to people and hear their stories and hearing, um, you know, something that's relatable just makes you feel so much better inside. It's like, oh, all right, they went through that, even if it's on the men's side. Okay, they went through that in the men's side. All right it makes, it gives you a little bit of comfort to hold on to. So that's my main goal. And I think within that frame, mental health is going to be huge. I want to hear about, you know, the struggles that these athletes went through, um, you know, even myself with three knee surgeries, because you know that there's a little girl out there who's going through the same thing. And if she hears someone say like, yeah, I just put my stick down for a week or two, 
she's like, oh, okay, I can put my stick down for a week or two. So that quote, I think I got away from that. That quote that I wanted to say was, your story can be someone else's survival kit. And that when, when my mentor told me that, it just hit me so hard because we have so many stories. And I was like, wow, you know, that's so true. And I even thought about like maybe writing a book of like, you know, guidelines to get off the sidelines or something like, I like that. that. I like that. Yeah, something to just help these kids um, and, and just to give them that platform. You know, I even, I watch SportsCenter all the time and they have stories of, you know, Tom Brady when he was younger and all these different players, but lacrosse doesn't get that much coverage right now. Thankfully, you know, you see us pop into a top 10 every here and again now. Uh, that wasn't the case before. And now that there's Instagram too, there's, you know, way more avenues for people to share their stories. But um, between all the people that I know and that I played with too, I just want to use those connections um, to get, you know, some top level athletes who've played from around the country, some at the best schools um, to just tell their story. And then the other part, so I want to hear about some mental health, some stories. The other part is definitely just taking care of your body because that's something that is so underrated. And I want to have some guests on here, whether that be a sports psychologist or an athletic trainer who has trained with, um, who was the AT for Team USA Soccer. Um, I have a lot of, you know, people that throughout my experiences too, that can help give, just share some advice and just share their stories of athletes they've worked with. I've heard them and they've helped me. So I know that if I have everything that I know, I can, you know, just put it out there and any, if it's one little girl who listens to it and has a better week because of it, well done. That's our goal. Perfect. And I'm, I'm very excited for this new segment as well. We're going to be launching this in April, once a month. And, uh, you know, you'll be able to hear it just like you do this episode. And it'll be on every major podcast platform. And then we'll, we'll do a write up and we'll have articles about this as well. But I'm very excited. I'm very excited to have you on board. Let's change gears just a little bit. And let's get to know you a little bit more. So I, I saw you do this on Instagram. Oh boy. Uh, and obviously people can't see you right now, but what, what led to the decision of, uh, of adding some pink hair? <laughs> I knew that was going to be it too. Um, so it's actually like very spontaneous story. This there was no plan at all. This is mm -hmm. also my personality. I'm not into horoscopes, but some of my close friends are, and they'll send me stuff. I'm a Sagittarius, so they'll send me stuff and I'm a hundred percent accurate to Sagittarius. I need thrill, adventure, spontaneity, all of it. That's me. <laughs> so my mom actually, she broke her arm this past December. So I've been helping drive her around to some places and I took her to her hair appointment. Luckily, um, one of my best friends does my hair. Her name's actually Espo. Her last name's Esposito too. Not related, but she does. Yeah, she does my hair and I've known her forever. We've played sports together um, and I was just bored. I was sitting there for two hours trying to, you know, work on my phone while she's getting her hair done. And I was bored and I was like, Hey, Espo, like, what can you do here? I just, you know, something a little fun. She was like the front two pieces. And I was like, pink. <laughs> she was like, sure. So it was more of an experiment if anything, but gotcha. I love it. yeah, we'll see what color it is in a couple of months. Yeah. You know, fun fact, I think I dye my hair pink almost every four years. I figured that out. I, when I was talking to someone about this, who asked you like, why the pink? And I was like, you know, I dyed it pink in high school. And then I also dyed it pink at, at the end of high school and at the end of college. And now it's been maybe four years. So I think I just get too bored. 
pull the trigger. <laughs> okay. And so you're from obviously Long Island. And I don't know. I mean, we've talked about this on the show before. I don't know anything about the geography of Long Island. I know that there's a North Shore, there's a South Shore, there's all the people live and die by the, what county they're from. And <laughs> it's super weird. But so what part of Long Island are you from? And uh -huh. what yeah. is your deli spot? Because we have had long <laughs> conversations about this. Yeah, that's that's a big one. This will definitely tug some feelings. Um, so Long Island in a nutshell is a long extended island out of New York City. Mm -hmm. Yes, people definitely do live and die by their counties. It's almost kind of like a different world from county to county. Mm -hmm. um, I live on the South Shore and in Suffolk County. Shout out. Okay. Bab. Um, so yeah, by my side, I mean, I live by the water. I love it. I'm a beach girl grew up here so I've always been a beach girl for that reason but um let's see my favorite deli spot so this is hard I mean Long Island in a nutshell pizza delis mm -hmm. pizza delis best pizza place by me Alitalia check okay. it out if anyone's near there best specialty slices it's not your regular regular it's like a real real thing okay deli that's a little hard right now. It's almost like whatever's best on DoorDash, closest. That's fair. Amount of money. <laughs> but um, there's actually, you know, there's some famous delis. Like I know Seaport Deli, they have out like outrageous sandwiches. Mm -hmm. But the good thing about Long Island, I don't really, it's, it's half good, it's half bad, right? Balance is key. But they're kind of like every other street corner. Right. So there's really good delis like all around me. I, I go to the one up up the block from me but there'll be certain times where you're like in a certain town you're like oh that deli cookies is over here or seaport deli's over here let's yeah. stop by so you make it a point to, to almost <laughs> drop some pins at delis across long island okay yeah we had a big debate about it and people were you know they were talking about seaport deli talking about my hero they were talking about pantanos um yeah and what, you know, a lot of these places have changed names over times because Ryan, you know, my normal co-host is actually from Copeg. So he's also like not far from you, I don't think. He, at least he's in the no. same county. Yeah, that's like 10 minutes away. Yeah. And so we had Tom Schreiber on and he doesn't live far from that at all. And he was talking, you know, we did, had this whole deli thing and, and people <laughs> were kind of, people are very, very passionate about yeah, their delis. Yeah, I was going to say, it'll, it'll start some fights out here. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. So, well, I, I really appreciate your time, Christina. And like I said, I'm really looking forward to this new segment that we're going to be having on. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully there's a summer season for you to, you know, keep pursuing your professional lacrosse. Yes. Fingers crossed. Keep grinding. That's it. Thank All you right. so much. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe, give us a review, and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Going Offsides.